0: Good morning everyone. I'm Mark and uh, this is E3 and uh, hopefully uh, you're having a wonderful weekend and a, and a great day. Uh today we are continuing uh last week's um story of of Samson. And uh I don't know about you but but the, the Sunday school view of Samson a lot of times when we hear the the word Samson uh the, the The story that we heard last week there's there 's a big divide between uh, a lot of times what we think of Samson is strength and this kind of children 's story and the reality of who this man I- or was. Uh, I remember listening to Eric and uh, just really uh, appreciating his struggle through through the story of Samson and trying to find. Got in it, and uh, I called him uh, before he taught uh, a few weeks ago, and knew he was going to be teaching on Samson I said all right so where where do you think you 're going to get to in his story, and knowing that I was going to take the the second half and he 's all well i 'm going to get to the end of chapter fifteen and uh, samson 's story is recorded in three chapters in the Bible. So I'm like, all right, great. So I knew where I was going to be uh picking up, and and so I opened up my Bible to see where where uh Eric was gonna leave me and to start with, and this was the, the first verse. This is what I have to deal with today. One day Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. I was like, oh, thanks, Eric. That's great. That's That's a wonderful way to lead off uh, Sunday morning. Uh, So basically, to quote Eric, uh, we all, like in our culture, we're used to stories that uh, people see the error of their ways and uh, turn back to what is righteous and good and all these things. And last week, Eric said, uh, prepare to be disappointed. Well, today, prepare to be disappointed. Because the story of Samson is, is one of, of disappointment, of, of, of one of someone who was given so much to, uh, from God and squandered it away. I don't know if you, uh, if you were familiar with the story of Samson and just kind of really thinking about his strength and all these things. But when I was a, when I was a kid, one of the coolest things that I I love to watch people do, like on TV and different things, is like a feat of strength, was to rip phone books in half. I always thought that that was like the coolest thing. it was like, you know, this just Hulk kind of strength. Is like, Arr! you know, just like, you know, I'm I'm so strong I can rip a phone book in half, and and. I thought, wouldn't that be cool as you know we're just talking about Samson and all his strength and everything to just kind of have a see if a, there's some some hidden Samson, some hidden uh, hulks in, in our midst. so uh, I need some volunteers who have, who would like to try to rip phone books in half. Anybody? <laughs> Pastor Dan come on up or come on up? I, Give me a, somebody over here, Paul, come on, Paul, show us how it's done. All right, here we go. We brought some more people. Nope, you get what you're given. Anybody else, Charles, you want to make, there we go, there you go. You can impress your wife, there you go. All right. You guys ready? Let's see you rip them in half. You're not going to try? Why'd you come up? (laughs) Oh, that's an unusual way to do it.
1: Oh, we're
0: doing it now? Yeah. That's the thinking yeah. the thinking man's way to do it. Yeah. And then there's Dan. That's impressive. Yeah. That is impressive. Very, very cool. There are many things you don't know about me. Well, let's keep it that way. Okay. All right. Uh, that's, well, thank you, guys. That was uh, an amazing... You know, this is... This is one of those things that, like, our grandchildren won't be able to experience because I think there's no phone book salesman here, are there? I think it's a dying industry, not because of the Internet and everything. Plus, I'm sure the environmentalists don't like all this paper. So, uh, but... You know, a lot of times with, uh, with strengths, we, we, we focus on, on strengths, we, we like to think about our strengths, and a lot, of, you know, a lot of times we just, we don't like to focus on our weaknesses. They're just, they're not fun to think about, but when we do that, uh, it leads to an imbalanced life and, and the probability of, of likelihood that, that we're going to have a fall. And you think about Samson, who's especially good in one thing or, or especially powerful or strong in his physical strength, didn't look at, at other parts. And a lot of times when we just solely focus on our strengths and in and, and our power, uh, that, that it allows for our weaknesses to ultimately destroy us. I mean, you think about it, think about different people, like famous people who were really good at something, and, but there was some sort of dark thing, you know, that we didn't know about that eventually came up and destroyed them. Uh, can you think of anybody like that? I mean, like Michael Jackson, something, you know, a, a phenomenal enter, entertainer, but something dark inside of it that eventually uh, led to his destruction. Anybody else? Who? Mike Tyson. Maybe it's a Michael thing. Michael Mike Tyson. Yeah, definitely a phenomenal boxer. I saw him saw him in Los Angeles in nineteen eighty four before he was, you know, it Michael Tyson Mike Tyson and uh he got in the ring at the Olympics and just pounded this guy. My brother and I were like, oh, my gosh, who is this guy? You know, go America and all that kind of stuff. Uh, anybody? Michael Vick. There's another Michael, you know, a phenomenal football player. Huh? Elvis Presley. Elvis Presley yeah, another phenomenal uh, enter, entertainer. And uh, that was my Elvis impression. Hey, all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> Dennis Rodman comes to mind, you know, basketball player, but maybe has a couple of issues. Uh, uh, Richard Nixon, too, as far as a political guy. I mean, a a, a phenomenal uh, foreign foreign affairs president. uh, Opened up China, uh, but who? Amy Lighthouse. I I know the name. No, okay. Well, she should go to rehab. So, you know, you have all of these kind of different people uh, who have these phenomenal strengths and focusing so much on their strengths that that allows an open door for their weaknesses to eventually come and destroy them. And Samson's story, I believe, uh, really is is part of that kind of characteristic and that kind of potential uh, deadly flaw that that each and every one of us uh, need to face. Uh, again, starting in verse 1. One day, Samson went to the Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. I mean, you got to think about how brash and how confident Samson must have been. He is an Israelite. He is the ruler. He is the judge of Israel. And to walk into the enemy camp, and because of his strength, figuring no one's going to mess with him, and because of his strength, no one in Israel is going to question him or hold him accountable for his moral failures, and just walks right in and does an exchange uh, or a transaction with a prostitute. And you think most people would, you know, this is something that you would try to keep quiet or or do secretly. But Samson just kind of just goes and does it. And it starts to really paint kind of a characteristic of who this man and who he has become. In verse 2, word soon spread that Samson was there. So the men of Gaza gathered together and waited all night at the town gates. They kept quiet during the night, saying themselves, When the light of morning comes, we will kill him. I mean, the reality is when we are extraordinarily good at something and we uh, put it in people's faces that there's going to be others who are laying in wait to see us fall and bring it about if they possibly can. But Samson stayed in bed only till midnight. I guess he wasn't tired. Then he got up took hold of the doors of the town gates, including the two posts, and lifted them them up, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders and carried them all the way to the top of the hill across from Hebron. So basically, we have this little snapshot, again, in the life of Samson, just really building to show how out of control he had become and how confident in his strength he had become to the... To the rejection of all other parts of his characteristic, or of his life, and, and of his character. We know that in this time and in our, our time, that those of us who are ambassadors of Christ, those of us who are following God, are meant to love God with all of our hearts, our, our soul, our minds, our strength, and love others as ourselves. But what's Samson? How is Samson uh, conducting his life? He's just focusing on his strength, his physical strength, and basically out of control just saying, you know what, I'm going to go anywhere and do anything that I want. It reminds me of one of the the many Proverbs about pride. Proverbs 16 says this, Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before the fall. You know, you think about this, and you think about it in our own lives, that, that often we, we get out in front of ourselves, and, and we focus so much on the, on the things that make us good, and that bring of us attention and bring us accolades, that we don't think about the other, other things. And our life gets out of balance. When our life gets out of balance, we have the much greater potential of falling. We fast forward to uh, verse four, and it says, "Sometimes, sometimes later, sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah." Now, Delilah was a Philistine; she was part of the enemy. Once again, if you remember from last week, that that Samson had fallen in love with another Philistine, and that didn't work out so well. And this time again, he's, he's just kind of rejecting the, the, the plan that God had laid out, that he doesn't really care what anybody thinks or, or what anybody else does. He's just going to do his own thing. So once again, he falls in love with Delilah. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. That was about 28 pounds. There was about five rulers. So we're talking um, in today's dollars, we're talking about $40,000. So they went to Delilah and they're like countrymen. Citizen, look, you, you have, have this person, Samson, but you know what? We want to destroy him, and we're willing to pay you $40,000 so that we can overpower him, and we need you to, to, to figure it out for us. So she's like, okay, you know, that sounds good, $40,000. I asked Shannon the other day if she would sell me out for $40,000, and she's, she said no. So I was, I was happy to hear that. So, oh, isn't that great? Uh, made me feel good. So Delilah said to Samson, "Please tell me what makes you so strong, and what it would take to tie you up securely." Now, this whole story—you're you're, you're going to sit here and you're going to go, "This is absurd." But really, when you think about it, when you think about people who have had epic failures. People have just just completely destroyed their lives. You often sit back and go like, why did they do that? It doesn't make any sense to somebody standing out on the, on, on the outside because they should have seen it coming. They should have known that this was going to lead to their ultimate destruction. But this is what pride does. It, it, it builds us up to a place where we think we are invincible. And she's coming to him and and, and saying, Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and what it would take to tie you up securely. Well, a normal person, we're sitting here going like, well, why do you want to know? You would ask maybe a question or two about it. But this is what Samson says. Samson replied, if I were tied up with seven new bowstrings that have not been yet dried, I would become as weak as anyone else. So the Philistine rulers brought... Delilah, seven new bowstrings, and she tied Samson up with them. She had hidden some men in one of the inner rooms of the house, and she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson snapped the bowstrings as a piece of string snaps when it was burned by fire. So the secret of his strength was not discovered. Now, I got to tell you. Shannon came to me, and she said, "Mark, what's the secret of your strength?" And I, I told her the seven bowstrings thing, and then, then you know, the seven, you know, these. She set me up to to be killed or captured by the Philistines. That may impact our relationship. A little bit. There may be a trust factor going forward. This is what happens. Afterward, Delilah said to him, you've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Just like a woman, she turned, she turned the whole thing on Samson. <laughs> that's... that's and she tried to have him killed. And now she's complaining that he lied. I don't know about you, but in the hierarchy of, like, bad stuff in the relationship, the whole tying up killing thing is much worse than the lying thing. Either, I'm not advocating lying either. Now, please tell me how you can be tied up securely. I'm like, woman. You know, really? I told you once it's not going to happen again. But again... Pride blinds you. It blinds me, it blinds you, it blinds Samson, it blinds everyone to the truth of the situation. Samson replied, if I were tied up with brand new ropes that had never been used, I would become as weak as anyone else. So Delilah took new ropes and tied them up with them." The men hiding in their room, in a room as before. And again, Delilah cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But then again, Samson snapped the ropes from his arms as if they were thread. Then Delilah said, You've been making fun of me and telling me lies. Now tell me how you can be tied up securely. And it goes again, Samson replied. And it's interesting, he's getting closer to the truth here now. If you were to weave the seven braids of my hair into the fabric of your, of your loom and tighten it with a loom shuttle, I would become as weak as anyone else. So while he slept, Delilah wove his seven braids of his hair into the fabric. She, then she tightened it with the loom shuttle. Again, she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. But Samson woke up, pulled back the loom shuttle, and yanked his hair out away from the loom and the fabric. And he got away again. Then Delilah pouted this time. She bust out the little pouty lip. How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now. And you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he decided it would be, rather, it'd be better to be dead than to listen to this woman <laughs> nag him anymore. That's Mark's translation. Uh, here it says he was just sick to death of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair had never been cut, he confesses, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. And then I want you to listen to this. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Samson thinks his strength comes from his hair. There's no mention of God. He just thinks his strength comes from his hair and his ability or is his not his not cutting his hair and he has become this strong. He's completely missing the point here. Verse 18, Delilah realizes he had finally told her the truth. So she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he's finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his head in her lap. And then she called in the man to shave off the seven locks on his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I'll do as I did before and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Not that he didn't realize his hair was shaven he didn't realize the Lord had left him. See, it had nothing to do with his hair. It had everything to do with his obedience to God. And he had come to such a a place where even that he didn't think really would stop him from Being as strong as he had been before, he completely missed the point and he had been so puffed up with pride in his own ability that he was taken down. This is what happened. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a movie about Samson, but in the movies, how they depict this is usually them gouging his eyes out and then like a big ox, they put him on this big grinder. And he would walk around in circles and and grind the grain. But that's not how it happened at all. You see, what actually happened was they gouged out his eyes and they chained him up in these, these bronze chains. And then they gave him a job of humiliation. You see, in the ancient Near East during this time, there was no 401k, there was no social security, and if your husband had, had died and, and you, you didn't have a way to take care of yourself, if you were an old widow and you couldn't work the fields anymore, you were subject to a life of poverty and your job would be to sit there with one hand with a little stone and grind the grain all day long, and you would get a little bit, and it was thought of as the lowest of the low jobs for a respectable person. And here you have a picture of the judge, the king, the ruler of Israel, the man who tied foxes' tails together with 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 flames on it and and had economic destruction to the Philistines. The man who picked up a donkey jawbone and killed a whole bunch of people in battle. The guy who was so strong that he could walk into the Philistine camp or, or city and sleep with a prostitute without any concern of repercussion from the Philistines or his own people. Why? Because he had so much confidence in his strength. And now you have a picture of a weak, broken, blind man, chained up, Grinding grain with all the rest of the old widows. In Proverbs chapter 29, verse 23, we're told this Pride ends in humiliation. Pride ends in humiliation. This, his pride is, this is where it had brought him. It brought him to this broken, humiliating place in his life. There's a problem though. God had called Samson to be the deliverer. Remember that from last week at the very beginning? God called Samson to be the deliverer of Israel to free his people, to be the one he called and gave him the supernatural strength to achieve his ends. But what he did with those things had led him to this awful place. Continues on in verse 23, the Philistine rulers had a great festival after this all happened offering sacrifices and praising their god dagon they said our god has given us victory over our enemy samson when the people saw him they praised their god saying our god has delivered our enemy to us the one who killed so many of us is now in our power guess what just happened this prideful man who set himself above the law, above everyone else, above his his enemies, has now been humiliated. And if it was just Samson, if that just affected Samson, then whatever. But Samson was meant to be an ambassador of Yahweh, of God. And the enemy is sitting there saying, "Ha, our God is stronger than your God because of your failure, that we have defeated you and this this scares me this scares me to death because I know how flawed and broken I am as a as a person, and to know that that you know what, my identity is in Christ and, and I'm meant to be an ambassador of Jesus and when I fail, I'm not only failing myself and my my earthly family, but I'm also hurting the the, the, the reputation of my Savior who died for me. I remember when I was in high school, I went to a party and there was a, Religious leader that I, that I knew personally, uh, when when I still went to church, I had left the church by then, and he had a epic public failure. It was really hurtful for a lot of people, and I remember being at this party and and seeing somebody who used to also go to that church who had who had walked away from the faith faith and and. I walked over to him and I said, did you hear about this, this, this religious ruler? And he's all like, no. And I told him what happened and he, and he smirked and he's all like, I knew that God stuff was just a load of. And he went on and just said, you know what? I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm away from it. Because God is not who he said he is. You know, our actions our pride and all these things, as much as we want to separate ourselves and our actions from who God is, and our actions don't change who God is, but it does change how people view our God, how we serve him in the things that we do and in, during our adverse moments in life, how we respond are being watched by others. And it is an awesome responsibility to carry the name of Jesus Christ. And yeah, we're going to fail. But there's a big difference in having a short account with God versus how Samson went and just took advantage of the grace of God and and propped himself up to a point where when he failed, you could see the smoke and flames for miles and miles and miles. Back to the party celebration, half drunk by now. The people demanded, bring out Samson so he can amuse us. Bring out Samson so he can amuse us. He's become a sideshow. So he was brought from prison to amuse them. And they had him stand between the pillars supporting the roof. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people, all the Philistine rulers. All five of them. This is important. We're there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. They're laughing at him, they're laughing at God. But the truth is, in our humiliation, when everything has fallen away and our pride has been shattered. We have the opportunity to once again find the source of our strength. If there's any redeeming factor in this story, if there's anything that we can be excited about, this is it. That God is a God of second chances. And that when our worldview and where our, our strength has crumbled, this is the greatest opportunity for us to once again rediscover the source of our true strength, who is Christ Jesus. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the, Philistine for the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had when in his entire life. It's an ugly scene. Again, this is a different place, a different time. But we have to remember... What was Samson called to do? Samson was called to be the deliverer of Israel. You know what? It wasn't God's plan to hurt a bunch of innocent people, but the actions are actions. When we go against God's word, that God's purpose is still going to be fulfilled. The problem is when we go contrary to what he had envisioned for our life, a lot of innocent people get hurt. It's just the reality of it. There was so much confusion and fear struck in the hearts of the Philistines after this happened that they must have backed away because in verse 31, it says, later his brothers and other relatives went down to get his body. They went right into the Philistine town. Nobody stopped him. They took him back home and buried him. And then once again, the people of Israel were brought back to God and were not oppressed again for a period of time. In one sense, the story of Samson should be so encouraging to us. To this man, let's just be honest, there's not a lot of redemptive qualities about him. He was a sex addict. He was prideful. He was a murderer. As, As far as like, as people go, he was, a, he was a lousy human being. But God still used him to deliver his people. So on one side, we can look at it and say, you know what, we can be encouraged. That, you know what, if God can use a guy like Samson, he can definitely use a person like me. On the other side of this, it's a, it's, a, it's a picture of the dangers of pride and it's also the picture of the dangers of living a, ba- a life out of balance. A life that we only do the things and find our identity in our strengths. Because like I said, a life out of balance is a life prone to a big fall. God called us to love him with all of our heart, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength, and to love others as ourselves. And at Samson, all he focused on was his physical strength. And it destroyed him in the process. And one of the most kind of counterintuitive themes in the Bible is that God says, you know what? Your strengths are good, and I can use those, but my power is perfected in your weakness. In 2 Corinthians, in verse 12, Paul writes this, even though I have received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. But he wasn't happy about it. He said three times. He begged the Lord to take it away each time. God said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in your weaknesses. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults and hardships and persecutions and trouble that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. God's power is perfected in our that it's the, it's the parts in your life that you feel that you are the most inadequate, that that is the place where God is going to use you. That God can use your weaknesses when you turn them over to him, when you entrust them to him and say, God, this has a great potential of destroying me unless I entrust it to you. And I need to give it to you because I know the dangers of ignoring it, that it's not going to go away and eventually it's going to sneak up and destroy me. And what God is saying here is look, if you're weak in an area, this is the place where you have the greatest testimony. This is the place where my power and my love can be. Show. We have this clear picture of taking, we can take the path of Samson living an unbalanced life and focusing only on what we're good at and saying this, this is me and look at how great I am and look at all the things that I can do here. And we can go the way of the Michael Vicks, the Michael Jacksons, The Mike Tysons, the Britney Spears, all of these kind of things and people, or the Road of Paul. Says, Oh, wretched man that I am. God, use me in my frailty. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just know that this is so counterintuitive for so many of us that we would rather not think about our weaknesses. We'd rather not think about those things that we're not proud of. God, I pray that you will give us the strength to turn our weaknesses over to you, to open up our lives and say, God, do something in this place. Let us... Not go down the track of Samson. God, we thank you for our strengths and our abilities and the gifts that you've entrusted to us. But let us never be proud, let us always bring glory to you.